God, we just ask that you would speak what is true this morning into our lives, to the life of our church, into our neighborhood. God, not, not the truth that we try to make up ourselves, but God, we listen to the truth that comes only from you. The source of all truth. Um, so this morning we're going to talk. Uh, we last week we kind of wrapped up unofficially our, our timeout series. So we're going to just um, do a bit of a one-off before we get into our uh, summer series and sharing stories. Um, can you think of a time in your life? Uh, where you have encountered someone who would be like your, your adversary, your arch nemesis, an, an enemy maybe that you have had in the past. Maybe not enemy in the sense that you want to like fight them, but someone who um, maybe has not been kind to you or has made life difficult for you, has opposed uh, something in your life, has come against you in some way. Um, probably can all think of different people, times in our lives where we we've, have felt that, right? Um, I had an enemy when I was a child. I probably shared this story before, but his name was Corey. And I was probably Titus's age. We lived on a street called Brimmer Street in Brewer, Brewer Maine. Brewer, Maine. And um, he, was just, he, he was just a really you know, tough kid. He's bigger than me. And uh, he had like the single golden earring in one ear and the buzzed head. And, and he's just sideways ball cap. And he just, he's just always just like, coming after me, right? It's not like a stereotype. Some people right there, I didn't mean to, but he just had like this kind of tough look to him, right? And I remember he's always just a pick on, on me and my brother and just all the time. And he lived, right, lived on a dead-end drive and uh, he was friends with somebody else who lived on that street and he'd always come and visit them and he'd always just, we'd be outside riding our bikes because we didn't have internet and things like that to be inside with. we ran around on our bikes outside all day. And I remember one time, we probably, we probably instigated some of it, too, <laughs> a little bit. I know, I know. Uh, and I remember this one time him just running, running me down, like, all the way down the street. And he, he right in front of my house, he, he pinned me to the ground. And it was the first time, like, I've ever been, like, attacked by somebody, you know, that, that wasn't my, well, not even my brother would have, I guess, because I was older than him. Um, First of all, I've been attacked by somebody or like bullied and he, he pinned me to the ground and he's like right in my face and I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. Like I'm, I'm about to die here, right here in my front yard at my house um, underneath these beautiful lilac bushes. I'm about to die. Uh, and the only thing I could think of doing, like I thought you know, I, could, I could talk back to him or I could try to struggle and get out. Um, but it became so clear became so clear to me what I should do next. I, I lifted my leg up, right between his legs, boom! <laughs> he fell to the ground uh, pretty instantly. I ran inside, closed the door, locked it, and uh, I never had problems with Corey again, so <laughs> praise God. Um, we've all had, maybe you've never had a moment, <laughs> yeah. 
a moment in your life uh, where that has happened. Uh, maybe you can think of a time where maybe you had an, an idea, right? You had, you had a certain idea that you, or a goal that you wanted to accomplish, and you've had someone come up to you and say, you know, you can't do that. Or dream, right? A vision. You can't do that. Uh, before doing this, I used to work for the CBAC, which is the Canadian Baptist of Atlanta, Canada. And one of the things that we uh, did every year was a thing called Spring Forth. Some of you may have heard of this. It's a youth event we did with, with youth for middle school and high school. And we had about four to 500 people, four to 500 people uh, attend this, this uh, youth event every year, every spring uh, in the Baptist world. And so part of my job was to run this, run this event. Due to some different things that came up, space and you know, maybe some dreaming and all that kind of stuff, we, we said, you know, let, let's, let's take this youth rally and we'll combine it with what the Wesleyans are doing at their youth rally and we'll invite other denominations to come in alongside of that and we'll kind of have a, a, a youth conference for all of Atlanta, Canada. Rather than have these separated little things for our different denominations, let's take down the denominational walls and let's bring all the youth together and have a, a youth conference. And some of you have heard me talk about the One Conference before, and it's still going uh, today. And so out of that was birthed the One Conference. And, and it, we saw up to 3,000 kids that first, that first year. And, but that vision, <laughs> that dream that uh, a number of us had came with opposition. It came with a lot of negativity, a lot of Criticism, and, and sometimes criticism can be good. So we, had, we had some good criticism. But a lot of people just said, you can't do that. Like, you're going you're gonna to ruin this. You're going to ruin that. You're going to ruin the tradition that we've always had for a long time at Spring Forth. And, and, and not to poo-poo on their parade. I, I get that. Like, it's hard for change, right? But, we, there's, but there's, we, also, we also were met with a lot of uh, adversity of this vision, of this goal. And some of you, maybe in your own life, you've had a vision, you've had a goal in your life that you've wanted to pursue. And someone has come up to you and said, you can't do that. They criticize it, they knock it down, um, they tell you every single reason why you shouldn't do it. Sometimes we have these um, goals or visions in our life and people actually get angry about it. They get mad at you. For whatever reason, whatever's going on in their life, they get upset with you because of your goal and your dreams of what you want to do. We're going to look at the story of Nehemiah uh, this morning. Some of you know the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah has uh, a great vision to, to rebuild Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem, and that's his whole vision. And some of you have heard the, the verse, uh, where there is no vision, people perish, right? That comes from Nehemiah, right? Uh, so this whole book is about vision and pursuing vision in uh, hard times and in easy times. And Nehemiah had enemies too. So we're going to look at uh, Nehemiah 4. And if you bear with me, I'm going to read a lot of this, if you don't mind. So chapter 4, some, some ballot, ballot? Uh, was very angry when he learned that we, so he's talking about, this is Nehemiah speaking, that we were rebuilding the wall. Remember, this is, this is Nehemiah's vision, right? This is what he's been working towards, what he feels God has called him to do. 
he flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do you think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah, Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was standing before him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Then I prayed, hear us, O, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. It's a pretty harsh prayer. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city. Their people had worked with enthusiasm. I love that. They worked with enthusiasm. But when Sambalat, Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites, Ashadites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. These are Nehemiah's adversaries, his enemies. They were mad. They were actually accomplishing something. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. Verse 9 says this, But we prayed to our God and guard the city day and night to protect ourselves. And the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired. and There's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the walls by ourselves. Then the king of Judah began to complain. Sorry, the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired. Sorry, I just read that. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know, my eyes are a small font, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then, as I looked at the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plan and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load, and one hand holding a weapon. 
All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the work is very spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding. Then our God will fight for us. You see several ways in this reading of Nehemiah how the enemy is coming against, against them against Nehemiah's vision, a vision that he had to protect. So the first one we see is right at the beginning, a lot happening. We see anger in verse, verse 1. You didn't see ridicule and criticism happening. Not even a fox can walk along the top of that. I love that. I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea what that means, but uh, it sounds cool. There's discouragement and hopelessness in verse 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain, the workers are getting tired there's so much rubble to be moved, we will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. So we have anger, ridicule, criticism, discouragement, hopelessness. And the last one, at least, the one that kind of sums them all up is fear. There's fear in the people. Some of us here today have experienced, have had experiences where you have asked God, and he has given you a vision for your life. Some of you just know that God has called me to this. God has sent me on this track to do this. Maybe it may be a, a long-term thing. Maybe it's a short-term thing. But you just know that God has given you a vision in your life that he wants you to accomplish. Maybe it's to start a new business. Maybe it's a vision to be debt-free in your life. Maybe it's a vision to live a life of hospitality where you make at a point to invite people into your home. Or maybe it's even, a, even more long-term than that. And I also realize some of you have never had that experience, maybe. Some, some of you maybe have not had that moment where I, or even ask God, what is the vision you have for my life? What do you have planned for me? You've never even taken the time to consider, God, what are the goals you have you want me to accomplish? But here's a, re- a reality I want us all just to hear. Whether you have you know, had that kind of experience where it's just so clear as day or you have not, whether you realize it or not, we all have a vision for our lives. We all have a goal in our lives. Whether you know it or not, and that vision was stated by Jesus when he said that he came so that you may have life and life to the fullest. Life abundant, as Jesus' vision for you. John, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Yes. I've heard that said a long time. <laughs> it's funny because you grow up hearing that so much and that it kind of, Dies away, and that, yeah. But there again, in that, there's a vision. Not, again, not just to have eternal life in the sense that we escape from earth, escape plan, but we'd have eternal life with, to be with God. That's, that's the vision, to be with God, to know God. John 17, 1 through 3 says this, 
when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all, who have, to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Again, a vision to know God, to know Jesus. So whether we know it or not, we, we have a vision for our lives, to know God through Jesus Christ. However, like Nehemiah and his vision, there are things that oppose that. There are things that are enemies of that. Who want to kind of get you away from knowing God. Whether it be doubt or your own self-worth or negativity, critics at work, comparison games that you play in your mind. These sometimes all come in the form of maybe some other people, external uh, people who, who put that stuff on you. It could be cultural things. But more times than not, the enemy that we find ourselves is actually ourselves. We'll be, we are so hard on ourselves. We, we produce negativity in ourselves. We're our, our own worst, worst critic. And maybe you're not experiencing adversity right now or um, a form of enemy right now, but you will. At some point in your life, you will. You'll experience negativity. You'll, you'll experience criticism. You, you'll experience fear, hopelessness, all these things that attack the vision that God has for you to know him. Our church here, we've been talking about this idea of waiting on God. And I, I, I truly believe that scares Satan. That, that scares the, the, the ultimate enemy, if you will. I believe that he's afraid as we prepare for battle because he knows, we're, he knows we're not relying on our own strength, but we're waiting on God's strength. So as we wait and protect the vision God is going to give us, and as you think about your own personal life, whether it be a, a goal or a vision that God has given you, or even this, the, the goal or vision that, of knowing God, how do we protect that vision? How do we do that? Doesn't this come naturally? We have to work at it. How do you combat the enemies of negativity, criticism, anger, ridicule, fear? Easy peasy. <laughs> Just kidding. We look at Nehemiah. There's four things we're going to... And some of these, you're going to be like, oh, I know this already. But it's just, it is. It is what it is. It's a foundational, these are foundational truths of how we protect ourselves against the enemy. How we protect ourselves from achieve, for, to achieve the vision that God has for us. To know him. First one is prayer. Nehemiah. In 4.4, he has a pretty harsh prayer there. But also again in, in, in 4.9. He's these attacks are coming at him. They're preparing for battle. And Nehemiah takes time just to, to pray. 
not only that, but in the, in the first prayer that he has, it's pretty harsh, isn't it? It's pretty like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But they, that goes back to last week, this idea of lamenting. We can bring these things to God when we, when we have that sense of revenge, that sense of we want to get back at people. Rather than attacking the enemy, Nehemiah goes right to God. He doesn't send out another messenger to say, well, you're this, you're that. We see kids fight. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it, when they fight? Because one, one of them starts it, and the other one has to retaliate. Then they retaliate. They go back and forth forever and ever, unless you step in. And we do this as adults too, right? It's not just a kid thing. So instead of retaliating, Nehemiah goes right to prayer. He goes right to God. He said, this is, God, this is how I'm feeling. <laughs> this is what is happening in my heart. Just take it. It's all yours. Do what you need to do. But he, it's like, he, he, yeah. He, he reassigns that energy, if you will. He, he focuses it back on God, rather back on the person, on the enemy. Second thing we see in verse 14 is worship. In order for us to protect the vision that God has given us, to pursue the vision, we have to be worshiping in the middle of it, whether we feel like it or not. In verse 14, it says, Then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Again, very much like prayer, worship is when we feel adversity, when we feel those attacks coming at us, rather than responding, how do we then take that and go right back to God with it? How do we go back to, okay, God, this, is, this is really sucks. I hate, I hate this criticism. I hate this negativity. I hate what's happening right now. But God, I'm gonna, I worship you in the midst of it because you are good. You have perfect character. You are, the, you are perfect in every way. The third thing is this. So prayer, worship, and then awareness. I'll say awareness of the battlefield. Again, in verse 14, it says, Then as I looked over the situation. Then as I looked over the situation. Oh, has everyone ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? I'm kind of Saving Private Ryan. No. Or, or, or any kind of war movie, like or Dunkirk maybe, or just different war movies. That one of the like the things that Saving Private Ryan did in the movies, like cinematography wise, and I know other movies have done it before, but they really did it well. Is uh, a D-Day where they're storming the beach. And things just kind of, they, things just slow down, right? There's, there's scenes in these movies where things, life, or, like what's happening around that person, the character, everything is just, it's just so much for them, time seems to stand still, and they have no concept of what's happening around them because they're just in total shock of the battle that is happening around them. And then all of a sudden, another bomb hits in the background, and they kind of come to, and they wake up, and they're, you, know, they're, they're, you see their buddies on the, on the ground, bleeding out, and they're being dragged up to the beach. And it's kind of like this wake-up moment. Like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm in the middle of a battle here. I'm, I'm being awoken to what is happening. 
For some of us, our first step may be just to wake up to the reality that we are not at war fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The battlefield is not about, the enemy is not just, it's not flesh and blood. The negativity, the criticism, the things that come against you in, to pursue your vision of knowing God, there's a spiritual warfare that's happening there that we don't talk about enough. I, I feel like it's probably the first time I've talked about it here in this context, but there's a spiritual battle happening for your life, for the vision that God has for your life. And just like those movies, we get to kind of wake up to that. We'd be reminded that there's a battle happening around us. I have a friend, uh, his son is in middle school, and he's taking a uh, sex ed course right now, and uh, my, my favorite course in school, of course, um, favorite class. And uh, one of the assignments that the teacher gave him uh, was that you know, they, he had to create an advertisement about sex to sell a product, a sex product of some sort that revolved around sex. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6.12. Now, sometimes we, we kind of avoid this topic because this idea of... Because uh, we, we, we don't want to create an us versus them mentality. Like the world is awful and let's just forget about them. Let's fight them. And, and you start seeing these kind of weird uh, church sects begin to arise up and they just, it gets weird, right? But at the same time, there's a reality that Satan is not out to give you life. He's not. As much as we, we lean into the Spirit, and we know that the Spirit gives us everything we need to battle the spiritual realm, we have to also remember that there are other, there are other forces that are against us. And the enemy will use the negativity, the criticism, the self-doubt, the self-worth, all that kind of stuff begins to creep into our minds. The enemy loves that stuff. And he will use it to his advantage as much as possible to get you away from the vision that God has for you to know him and to have life to the fullest in him. So we need to be aware of the battlefield. Last one is this. What I love about this story, I think it's so cool. Um, someone actually shared this with me recently and I just, yeah, it's cool. So I'm preaching on, on it today. In verse 15 and 17, you see a picture of the laborers as they work towards this vision. It says, in one hand, they're building the wall, they're carrying their load, and in the other hand, they're holding a what? A sword. 
Can you imagine that? Like building a wall and, you're, and, just, and also swords at your hilt, right? And you're trying to accomplish this vision with one hand while at the same time on guard with your sword in the other. Because you care about this vision so much. You're so passionate about making this thing happen that you're willing to work extra hard. <laughs> and just be, can you imagine how paranoid they must have been? Just waiting for that enemies to descend upon them? As they build with one hand but a sword in the other, just waiting for that attack. I love that because that's just like, that's uh, something very heroic about that. If you want to protect the life-giving vision God has for you, it's going to take a little work in one hand, some intentionality in one hand to be working towards that. But in the other hand, you need to be holding the sword. You know what the sword is? The Word of God. In the other. That's what it comes down to. You're working away with the vision, but in the other hand, you've got to have the Word of God. You've got to be in Scripture. If you want to accomplish the vision that God has given you. And don't just take my word for it. Jesus shows us this in the desert, right? In the wilderness, when he's tempted by Satan. What does Jesus do over and over three times? He goes back to the word of God, right? He quotes scripture. Satan loves to come to us and say, you are broken. How can anyone love you? How can you accomplish anything? Colossians 2.10, in Christ you've, you've been brought to fullness. It's your body. Do whatever you want. 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from Christ? Now you're all alone. No one cares about you. You've been forgotten. You've been abandoned. You're all by yourself. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You'll never, you'll, you'll never overcome that barrier. That thing in your life that keep, you keep tripping up on, you can't get over it. You're going to keep hitting that barrier over and over again. And... Uh, don't you feel like that's going to disappoint God? So just, just stop trying. Just give up now. Psalm 1835, you have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. Do you see why it's important as we build, whether it be at a church level or as an, as an individual, to work towards that vision to have the word of God in the other hand. As, like Nehemiah, as we pray, as we wait, we need to have that sword in our other hand. But God doesn't have a vision for your life. And even if he did, don't, don't you think it would be boring? Don't you think it would be boring if God you know, actually did have a vision for your life and a lot less fun? Love you know this one, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Waiting on God during this time feels like nothing, I think, for our church. It feels like we're waiting, but it feels like nothing, but actually waiting is active. Wait is, waiting is part of the building process. It's part of the vision. As we work towards our vision here at St. John Vineyard, let us continue to, to lay the bricks with one hand and hold the word of God in the other. And the same thing is true in your life. God wants, his vision for you is to know him and know him to the fullest. To have abundant life. But there are other forces who are trying to take that away from you. That sounds scary, I know, that sounds weird. <laughs> but it's true. Because the word of God says so. <laughs> and some of us have experienced that in our own lives. This week, as you, what pre- preparations do you need to take for battle? Put the armor on. Yeah, prayer, worship, awareness, the word. Sometimes it's hard for me as a pastor, let me be really real, uh, or if you've been in ministry in general, some of you have done leadership stuff in, in ministry, and sometimes it, it feels weird. You always come back to, well, pray and read your Bible. It feels like kind of like a, the Sunday school answer, right? Well, pre- but there's a reason why we keep coming back to that. The reason why we keep coming back to these foundational things is because they do work. And it's what God has called us to do to, in order to know him. And I can, I can stand up here and say, you know, like, if you read your Bible this way and make it more interesting, you could do this. And uh, if you pray this way, you might, it might kind of inspire you to pray differently. And it might get you more engaged in prayer. And I can, you know, create different, different ways to do that, which are good. And, and please, if there's a way that helps you, do it. But at the end of the day, we're all fighting a very, the most powerful enemy of all that is working against our vision God's vision for us to know him. The greatest enemy of all is our will. It's our will. Because the question is, are you willing to fight your own lazy will in order to know God of the universe? I ask myself that question all the time. Today, am I willing to fight for that? Am I willing to fight to know God today? Even if I don't feel like it, am I willing to fight for God's vision for my life? And that is something that no pastor, no friend, no spiritual director can do for you. It simply comes back to every day waking up saying, God, I don't have the will to do this. I can't. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in prayer. I don't want to be reading scripture. I don't feel like it today. But then we go back to this reality that God fights for us. God fights on our behalf. So even when we're not feeling like it, when we ask him, he, he comes, he, he fights for us. He fights on behalf of us. Even when our will is saying, I don't want to do it. As we close today, we're going to sing just one more song. 
think Kurt's going to come up. Yeah. And we're going to do a sword drill. No, I'm just joking. But we're going to have some scripture up on the screen, going back to the, again, the sword and the word of God and how that needs to be in one hand as we work in the other. So we're actually going to read some scripture from the word. To remind us to reorient ourselves back to what it is that we're protecting. And how we do that is through reading scripture. So, um, Kurt's just going to play a little bit. As scripture comes up, if I could just get someone just to read it out loud, kind of like we did last week. Just someone read it out loud, and then the next person will read the next one. And um, I believe Isaiah 40 is the last one, and then we'll sing one more song.